What up, what up, what up? We're back again for another episode. Thanks for joining us on another fine Wednesday. It's Everett alongside Evan Payne. Moiser's out there helping Mitch McLeod move houses because he's a good guy. Connor's out there grinding it out, working his case for the uh, the blue-collar uh, Vaughn guys and just making sure the OHL is ready to go to start the year. Um, but it's me alongside Painter, and I just we were just talking off the record, and now we're going to take it on the record. Painter, I just want to let you know baseball fucking sucks. This is a terrible take. It's a beautiful take. Baseball fucking sucks because uh, umpires, like I keep seeing clips of umpires. Let me backpedal real quick. I'm going to backpedal before I put my foot in my mouth. I have a lot of love for refs, umpires, officials, everything, right? At all levels, because it takes a lot of pressure to do that, to put yourself in a position of you're never going to please everybody. Somebody's going to hate you at the end of the day because you didn't, you missed one or two things. You're all human. But at a youth level, especially to go out there and do that. And if you're ever a parent that listens to the show and you're screaming at refs, you're banging on the glass, stop listening to the show. I'll I'll take that one loss per week of listener uh, because I just I can't associate with you because I think that's fucking nuts. But Painter, I keep seeing clips of ca- like umpires. I keep calling them catchers. Umpires making such terrible calls and you can't address and the, like umpires in the MLB make the game so much about them. Like there was that one guy, I think he finally retired that old fuck. Oh, Angel Hernandez. No, he's back. I don't, that sounds like a very Mexican or is, name. Or just, is, uh, Joe was just old and white and very angry and like he's took everything very personal. Fat. Very fucking fat. Joe West guy sucks. But there's a lot of like MLB calls and like I just I was opening up Instagram to take a mental break here and I saw on like the Explorer page somebody's like ranking like how accurate their calls are. Like they're oh, doing umpires. Yeah. the umpire uh, score sheet thingy, the yes. their their performance card because MLB doesn't care to keep that up. So this comp this inst- like Twitter account does it independently and they'll yeah. be like Here's the run factor per team. Here's their important missed calls. Here's their strike uh, consistency and whatnot. Here, let me look it up. But why? Like why are you, when, if there's a ball? If there's a pitch thrown three feet outside the the box, the strike zone, you can't call that a fucking strike. And like, there's there's umpires doing it, and I don't like. Are they controlling? Like, why? Why so, is this such a factor? Like there has to be, you have to update this to eliminate them deciding games. Cause this decides games. Yes. So umpires in the MLB tend to be stupid. I don't know. A little soft. And they just can't get over the fact of them being wrong. Because as if you're the home plate umpire, you're not the crew chief. Well, you could be, but like, so they have the four, the four umpires, and then there's a crew chief in that crew yeah. who's like the head guy. The man. But like, yeah, they all go through for like their set. So the home plate guy, or any umpire really, if they think you're questioning them of the, them being wrong, then it's a personal attack because they're never wrong in a lot of their heads. And like the good, the good umpires, they talk about it and they don't like get the, the small man like the Napoleon complex. And part of the reason that their strike zones look so bad sometimes is the, it's a bit bigger than what it is on TV. It's a little bit bigger, but some of them are terrible, terrible calls. I mean, I've seen like, like I'm not kidding, like a foot or two outside 
they're not even near it. Like the catcher's diving across and then you get a late strike call. And it's like, what in the, like, in what world are you able to call this a strike? It's, but, and it's you bad. get a series of three or four pitches after that, where it's just like, they're obviously trying to like alter things. Yeah. Like there's the makeup call, but a lot of it also is catchers. If it's like kind of borderline, but a little bit close, a little bit off catchers when you're being developed it's all about how you present the pitch so you work your way from the bottom up to hold it and then there's like the if it's outside you kind of hold it there so you're trying to frame it as close as possible yeah which i was kind of nasty at framing jv jv catcher i was kind of nasty at it well nobody wants to hear about your fucking jv high school Uh, (laughs) baseball (laughs) stories okay um but you look at again like again and i am I think people are think gonna think I'm full of shit when I say this, but I am so for like at hockey games, very never, next to never. Okay, I can talk, count one time last season. We have this one guy who is fucking brutal, and we were all kind of just giving it to him. And it's like this older man, and this is like twelve u hockey. And the other thing is this is single a hockey, so it's not fast, it's not hard to miss anything. And like we we started chirping just like amongst the bench, and he didn't like that. We weren't yelling directly at him, but I never say anything to these guys. Whether it's a kid, it's an old man, they're calling a good game or bad game. I th- thank you. I appreciate you coming. We don't get to play without you. I'm fully f- for that. But what happened with the Coco Golf thing the other day and that tennis oh. match trying to slow it down? And you can just tell like this is so this is going so poorly, but you can tell the the umpire or whatever they're called in tennis is just she's smiling and soaking it up because now she knows all oh, the cameras on me. Look at me. I'm she I'm a star given- today less of a shit about actually enforcing the rules and respecting Coco Goff. I saw the clip like multiple times. Every time I saw it, it just fucking pissed me off. I got so fueled with fire. Like, come on, do your job. You're there. You're sitting on the highest chair they've got in that stadium. You're being pampered. I bet there's probably like the smallest bit of AC in their little umbrella thing. And you can't do your job correctly, and you're just gonna shit and disrespect on the co- the competitor because whatever her name is from whatever country is being a, a total prick, and you're like, well, mm, yeah. it's I'm playing it to her because she's doing this. It's like it's not what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know shit about tennis, but I know that's fucked. That's not right. Well, it's just. To me, like you watch back the clips and her like trying to slow these down and looking for point violations and she's just not handing them out. And it's like there's a ray to play here. And this isn't like a local tournament that's a fucking throwaway for a little trophy at the end. Like this is this is some pretty big shit. And then the other the other part that blows my mind, again, where referees or other people outside of athletes and players and coaches are able to decide the the outcome of a game. The U.S. Open, they're in their TikTok account. We're posting this, making fun of the situation. How can you make fun of the situation when this is it's it's not? A, I don't know. Like, how can you create content off of something that's such a a blemish on your sport and you're going to promote it? I think yeah, it worked because obviously it's going to lead to views, clicks, shares. So like, I understand that formula. I'm not an idiot. I understand how yeah. social media works, but like, those aren't things that I want to like boast about right you know no i i don't know it's, it's like odd. some 23 year old zoomer is get like oh here's the keys to the u.s open account uh, i'm actually gonna shit on the u.s open here look oh. at how dumb our ref is but it's like then if they get called in the office you can't post that it's like well it's gonna get clicks it's gonna blow up and we're gonna get more people to watch 
100%. And then the boomers are like, oh, oh money, news, yeah. just let them do it. I don't know, man. Um, I don't know. But that also brings up talking about TikTok. You want to talk about a company that, not a company, but an organization, I guess, that's done a very good job of bringing eyes to them is the Paralympics account. Oh, my God. The Paralympic, I love the Paralympics admin. You are whoever's a running hero. that TikTok is like, like you see shit and you're like, oh my god, what the fuck's happening? Like, you, those edits are so <sighs> funny, huh? Fucking, it's it's they large scale shit posted, and I think more people are now into the Paralympics because they let some like 21 year old shit post on their account. Yep. so perfectly. Yep. That and uh, Lotus Cars. Lotus admin is the best. He, de- I, you can you scroll through their page. That up. <laughs> yeah. The Lotus, the Lotus TikTok account. Yeah. He does. Uh, he does nothing. Like, there's no card posts ever. No. It's just like, it's just like, oh, went down to Binley Mechachippi with, with Milady. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. The fresh cut and the fit for the boy. We're on holiday. And then it's just like fart noises. That's like all it is. And then like you can swipe through and then it'll be like Lotus leading design. And then it's their new supercar. And then you uh, can go 40 po- posts without seeing it. Yeah. Hey, I'm just now seeing uh, Andy Reid told reporters that Travis Kelsey hyperextended his knee at practice today. And his oh. status for Thursday night's opener versus the Lions is uncertain. Uh, so so potentially no Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey. Um, I'm putting together an unbelievable par- parlay based off of spread. <clears throat> so Lions, like, what is it? Plus six and a half. Take that. And I'm taking the spread. I got to look up uh, what's his name? Hack and sacks. Uh, sacks. And I want touchdowns for uh, St. Brown and then yards thrown for uh, Goff. Sneaky one uh, prop that might be. Fuck, what are the props that they've got? I'd take Hutchinson sacks mm, over because the over Chiefs got a, they've got such a sketchy O line. I yeah. don't like it. I'm gonna be posting on my Instagram me and my black and gold Amonor St. Brown jersey, like I'm Max Miles sex buddy. Like I'm so pumped for him to start posting those again. <laughs> of, like FaceTiming with his buddy who's in the hard hat. He's got the giant chain and the yeah. jersey. I'm so ready for my LSX post every week. And I'm gonna like I'm gonna like his story every week when I see those. Blue Kool-Aid, baby. Um, did you watch uh Prime Time and the uh Buffaloes? Colorado University okay. being TCU. Oh, I, I watched a little bit because I was at my Bantam travel team parent meeting. Uh, like a pool party thing sick getting sun and we were talking and my head coach won 150 dollars because tcu covered the spread which was what spread did he take there's no way they he took he took tcu to be within a field goal of like to win by a field goal but they lost obviously they still covered which was sick He's, he jumbled his words. He's like, I took the spread. They were within a field goal. And I was like, sick. You want, he goes, he just goes, 150 bucks, baby. I was like, fuck yeah. 
And then we started talking about how my coworker is the worst sports better because all he does is take favorites. And I'm like, dude, no, if you want to concoct a nasty, there's no a nasty. I'm parlay, not gonna. What? I'm not gonna tell you he's wrong, but I'm gonna tell you he's wrong because I'm pretty sure the spread was like minus twenty one for TCU. So unless he took an alternate spread, which would have made like zero dollars at minus three and a half, there's and they wouldn't have covered because didn't they beat him by four points? I'm not sure. I don't know what he brought up. Okay, hang on. We were um, all we were all rooting for a three point within three points. Yeah. So okay. So if he took TCU minus or uh, plus three and a half, then yeah, they cover. But if he's yeah. minus three and a half, that means they're at like thirty nine or thirty eight and a half. Or that math is wrong. But anyways, they still lose. So Colorado covered yeah. alternately. He just wanted. He just went the spread. Yeah, but this, what I'm telling you, the spread was minus 21. That's what? So, like, unless he took an alternate spread, which at minus three and a half, you'd make, like, zero dollars on, or you'd have to bet, like, thousands to make money on, I'm going to tell you he's lying to you. But, hey, you know what? Gambling, sports gambling, sports betting in fucking Omaha is probably pretty new, so everyone's still trying to figure it out. It's not legal here yet. You just have exactly. to go over the. You just have to go over the uh, Bob Carey, not Bob Carey. You just have to go over the highway and go into Iowa and place a bet and just that run back sense. over. Um. So what's new with you? You want to talk about your fucking golf stories? Oh baby. Uh. So all summer we've been on the road to breaking a hundred. Uh. Haven't played full eighteens in a while. Played my first full eighteen yesterday. Not only did the boy break a hundred, he broke ninety. Shot an eighty nine. You know, kind of nasty. Can't can't hit my driver, but I'm chipping and I'm putting like my name's Phil Mickelson minus the degenerate sports gambling. You know, get up there, pipe my three hybrid 185 yards down the the fairway because I don't have distance. I'm more of a master of finesse. You know, I'm a short gang savant, <laughs> and you know, I set myself up to where I had to double. If if I on the last hole I doubled, I would have still broken 100. I would have shot 90. So I was in best case, just lay up a chip, pooch a, the the par putt, and give yourself a nice bogey for eighty nine. And you know what? We did that. Hit the left side of the fairway, just off in the rough, chipped up onto the front of the green, and just putted. We putted, baby, and we sank it. Okay, it was cool. nasty. It's very cool. Uh, so put this in like real man's terms or layman's terms, I guess. Um, how far away are you from getting to the tour? Uh, I'm like, I can put it in hockey terms. I'm like an NA3 kid trying to play at Michigan. Okay, so it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Okay, no. good, good. All right. I'm sitting in the USPHL twiddling my thumbs, hoping an ACHA program chips me into paying a lot of money i like it all right cool um you got anything else uh yeah i meant to say this however many episodes ago mcdonald's sprite is the worst mcdonald's drink there is i think people like it because it's so bad i don't understand i'm with you it's, it's terrible it, it's like eating uh it's not eating rocks it's eating um highly carbonated sparkling water with no sugar not good I was like, because I'm a fan of the McDonald drinks. I'm a fan of them. Like the Coke, McDonald's Coke is great. But if I'm going 10 times out of 10, I'm taking an orange high C. I'm going McDonald's, give me a medium orange high C. They brought it back. It's 
so good. But Orange High C is much better with a 10 sack at White Castle. I'll tell you that every time. Uh, The biggest fallout that McDonald's ever had was not having Powerade. Losing Powerade at McDonald's was a huge loss. Coke is elite, obviously. Orange High C is great, but it's better with White Castle. But when they dished uh, Powerade, it's uh, that was like rookie move. You know what I mean? I had a normal Powerade yesterday on the golf course. I had blue because blue is a sick flavor. I took a sip. That thing is so full of syrup. I can't believe people choose Powerade over Gatorade. But if we're going hydration drinks, we're drinking Drip Drop, obviously. But, uh, like, we're not taking Powerade, if anything. Powerade is so junk. But it, from a fountain drink standpoint, is elite. Yes, sir. What else you got? Anything? Uh, I've got I've got my animal fact to end the episode. What's your What is your animal fact? A lobster's br- uh, a lobster's bladder is in its head. That's odd. Where so where does it lead to then? Probably the back. That would make sense, but that's a fucking weird place to put a bladder. It's an incredibly weird place to have its bladder. When males fight, they squirt each other in the face with their pee. So, so it, it comes must out just their come head. out of their face. Yeah. What the fuck? Dude, I looked up funny animal facts. I got junk. I looked up funny fish facts. Junk. And then I tried to find funny sports facts. They all suck. So I was like, give me weird facts about animals. And the first one, lobster's bladder is in its head. You're fucked, man. <laughs> All right. These are so gross. Um, save them. Save them because I can't do anything more. Uh, tune in next week because I want to do a small draft show for our intro where we rank five different things and we have to put them in Fuck an order. Yeah. Um, just by our by our own decision. Not we're each going to draft a, a topic, but I would like to draft um, something. And I think it'll be a new segment fun thing we can do with the show so as always every week be sure to like follow subscribe tell a friend to subscribe because it's going to help put painter through a community college out there in omaha um and it'll get him off the zamboni so he's not drinking or breathing in the uh that uh propane or whatever it is people were saying got an electric one fancy wow omaha's liberal never knew that (laughs) um Like, follow, subscribe, tell a friend to subscribe, tell your friend to follow us on Instagram, drink, drip, drop, buy easy crease. If you're a goalie coach or you're a goalie parent or you're a goalie for yourself, if you're ever doing half ice games, you got to have it. It only makes sense, especially at those early development ages from we're going to call it all the way from seven up until you're 14, 15. It's important to have a crease to get a good feel and know where you're at. Um, Stay tuned for the interview. We got a great one lined up with Derek Malahi, unbelievable kid playing at Harvard. It's going to be a great year for him. So can't wait to see how that shakes down. And uh, we'll catch you next Wednesday. All righty. It's Everett and Painter signing off. We'll see you. Welcoming to the pod this week. We're very blessed to get this man as a guest all the way from I'm going to butcher it, but I think it's Situate, Massachusetts. Staying at six foot and zero inches. He's 22 years old. He's playing at the Harvard at Harvard. His house affiliation is Cabot. It's Derek Malahi. What up, Malahi? How are you, man? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. This is awesome. 
dude, I can't. When I was looking at your EP today and it said 22 years old, I almost had a heart attack. I know it's flown by. I feel like I was like 12 years old or my first met you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's been, it's been crazy. <laughs> it's, this is actually getting to be insane. Um, but yeah, man, summer's wrapping up. Obviously you might not be on the boat as much. Um, yeah. hockey starting to gear up. Like you just said, how are things going back? I mean, it's set five. You guys might start skating early August. Is that when you guys go back to school? Yeah. So we got school started today, officially yeah. first day. So Tough. Uh, we're just kind of having <laughs> captain's practices right now. I'm um, just playing a little shinny and then uh, coaches can come on. I think next week uh, there's like NCAA rules. So yeah. I think next week we'll have coaches on the ice a few times a week. And then like our season doesn't start till like mid October, end of October. Like, yeah. It's like three three weeks late later than the like hockey east guys. So yeah, ECAC is always a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but no, I like let's kick back to your summer before I breeze over that. You got the, did you do a dev camp this summer? Yeah, yeah. I was you were in Boston. The, yeah, Boston. How'd that go for you? Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, pretty cool uh, experience, especially a lot of people there, people you looked up to as a kid. Like yeah. uh, the head of player development there is Adam McQuaid. Yeah. And uh, watching him like every night for the bees was pretty crazy. And have him on the ice, like taking slap shots against you was uh, pretty, pretty unreal. Um, the camp went well. Um, learned a tough? lot. Yeah, it was pretty tough. Like for goalies, you know how those camps can be um, like. Uh, a lot of shots and there's only there's only four of us so we were taking a lot of reps which um Kevin can't complain about it was a lot of fun sure. but uh, we're doing like four d split sessions and a long practice and then like a little lift after it was mm-hmm. most of the day but we did some fun stuff like went to fenway uh hit some bet took some batting practice that's sick <laughs> yeah um shagged some balls there then went to the game that night so that was a pretty fun experience did you uh did you put any over the wall? No, no. Uh I, th- I hit a few like pretty deep in the outfield which is but it, like you think you could get it out there like we were taking some warm-ups and it, I mean it takes a lot. So like, like yeah, I could go yard here. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, then you get to the plate and you're looking out and it looks like 4 miles away. So <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Um but yeah, dude, it's crazy like obviously I mean, I don't know if Scotty hit Boston, but we we do a lot of runs where we go, we all go and see different dev camps, right? Mm-hmm. And the the what did I do? Four, four and four days. It's just fucking brutal, but <laughs> uh, not nearly as hard as being on the ice. But a lot of guys that we went and saw goalie wise, some guys had it easy. Where like they brought guys in for dev skates, uh, skates, and it was like you came in, you measured, you know, like you did all your weight stuff, and then you did maybe a little light testing, do some off ice, and then like skates once a day for like an hour and a half but some fucking guys were on the ice doing goalie skate you go goalie session well two guys go goalie session practice and then the other two stay for the goalie session after and then you know players go work out whatever goalies rest eat and then they go do another session and it's like holy fuck this is like two a days but depending on the team that you went to go visit some people obviously looking to project in the future and I think they were trying to utilize those weeks where others are just trying to like get a good feel. And they're like, if they're in a more comfortable spot team wise, I think they weren't as pressured to like, Hey, we got to make sure our fucking draft picks are ready to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We had like a happy medium 
Like it wasn't like a lot of work, but it wasn't a little. Yeah. Kind of got like the really got the like the NHL kind of feel. Yeah. Of, like we're doing their lifts. Everything was like the Bruins standard, and um, I know all their top prospects were there. So like, um, Lee Sell or whatever, could you butcher his name? He was there, like kind of rehabbing. I think from an injury and he we do like a couple kind of goalie skates and he was shooting on us so always getting like top quality stuff for a week long can't complain about that and their their practice facility i hear is pretty fucking sick eh? yeah it's awesome like i when i was playing for the junior eagles like we'd play there sometimes oh yeah like you didn't even get to see half of it like under the bleachers there like it's a like whole nother like area that's awesome yeah that's awesome, man. Um, so before we get into your hockey and your background and get any further, I have some just like basic questions that I don't really know about you. So I wanted to dig a little deeper yeah. on Derek Vallehi. Yeah. Um, first one being Derek, how often do you cut your fingernails? Fingernails? I don't, I don't know if there's a timeline. I just think whenever I see them get a little long, I maybe trim them up or. Uh, Would you say you're like a once a week guy or twice a, or like once every two weeks? Probably once every two weeks if I had to pick a time. Oh, so you let those things get pretty long, eh? I don't think they grow that fast, honestly. Oh. So you have a vitamin deficiency is what we're talking about. Man, I, might, I might have to ask my doctor <laughs> about that one. <laughs> um, what about toenails? Where are you at there? Um, Toenails, twice, once every two weeks maybe. Okay, so pretty much the same same beat? Yeah, yeah. Good. I like that. Um. This one I'm really massaging out, but it's a one or the other, and this is for the rest of your life. Derek, all the music you listen to for the rest of your life, forever, radio, everything, you'll always hear elevator, light jazz music, or every phone call or Zoom or any sort of you know voice communication for the rest of your life is delayed by three seconds. What would you rather live with? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, music's huge. So you think about your pregames. So yeah. like the, the guys in this metaphorical or this imaginary world I'm putting you in, the guys would hear whatever it is, pop smoke, rock, techno, right? Like heavy bass, but you would just hear light jazz. Yeah, I think I, I might have to go with the phone one because music, I think, I think I couldn't get fired up with jazz music for a game or like out out on the water or something with just that probably put me to sleep all day. Um, yeah. Um, but like, I mean, those delayed phone calls, though, I don't know if you've ever gotten caught in a phone conversation where yeah. you're talking to somebody and then they start talking with you. And then after like a few chips at it, you realize, oh, we're on a fucking delay. To me, there's nothing more painful than dealing with that. Yeah, I think I think if you knew it though, you could get the hang of it. Yeah. <laughs> like once you get it long enough, you're like, all right, I'm gonna say something. It's gonna take a little bit for him to get it, then respond. So <laughs> I think you can find a little learn to work it up. in there. Yeah. <laughs> Overcoming adversity. Um, what's the Duncan order? What's the go-to here? I'm um, just classic medium ice. I used to do like regular, uh, but now I'm starting to throw a little caramel swirl in there. Okay. Um, I go almond milk now. Oh, jazzing it up. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, then one sugar. So Okay. Yeah. Then it's early, maybe like a little bacon, egg, and cheese or something, but I've had so many of those going to school that it starts to taste like cardboard. So 
Yeah, yeah. Me and Moise are on the uh, player protection program for those, so trying to get off of it and shed a couple pounds. But yeah, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> um, if you had to live with two pizza toppings for the rest of your life, what would they be, Derek? Ooh, I think sausage, underrated, and then um, I don't know why. Recently, we've been having like hamburger. So you're just kind of doing sausage almost twice. <laughs> I don't know, but it's like it's so good. I'm I'm always go classic cheese though. Okay, that's just I can't go wrong. So you could go with a straight cheese pizza for the rest of your life, no toppings, no nothing. Yeah, I like that. Um, when you're in the shower, do you wash your feet or do you let the water and soap just rinse them? Yeah, I usually just let the unless like. I'm like walking in the mud or something. I just let the water you know, do its job down there. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> You're a man's man, and I like that. Yeah, I'm not lying. <laughs> if you could have uh, went pro in any extreme sport, so we're talking, I don't, I guess monster trucks would be one, but like dirt bikes, skateboarding, uh, extreme skiing, whatever, what would it be? Is major league fishing an extreme sport? I don't think that's, I think that's just called sport. I'm okay. fishing obviously would that was my giveaway, but I'm talking extreme. Extreme? Yeah, yeah. Dirt I mean, bikes, quads, snowmobiles. Usually rip a lot of quads uh, up in New Hampshire with my dad and brother. So Hell yeah. yeah we have some kind of some races, but I would try to keep don't want to hit any trees or anything. So Yeah. I had to pick maybe that. I would do a little bit of skiing, but obviously now with the hockey schedule and don't want to break anything can't do it so well that and from what i see on tiktok skiing out east is fucking brutal like you're yeah. just on grass <laughs> yeah it's it's tough like if they don't have like the snow blowers going it's, yeah yeah it's tough um what's your go-to snack snack um fruit snacks fruit snacks yeah Lots? scooby-doo oh, no just the ones that have fruit snacks on them, like the blue package okay i, I know, know what you're talking about what brand they are but <laughs> yeah whenever i go into the pantry and see those i'm happy um and lastly what's your pregame meal game days game days uh in juniors i used to make like a just pasta chicken sauce kind of thing but here we get our meals like catered in so we got like chicken Basically the same thing, uh, vegetables, and we eat pretty early, so I probably eat like four hours before the game, mm-hmm. and just chicken, pasta, salad, yeah. On a college game day, do you have enough time where like you eat, do you have enough time to go get a nap in, or do you basically eat, hang out at the rink, and start warming up? Um. So usually, I don't know how other schools do it, but. We usually skate around like 10, 30, 11 for a pregame, do a meeting right after, then eat right away. So it's like a late lunch. And then we all go back to our dorms for a few hours. We only have like three or four hours really until we have to be back. Yeah. So sometimes like they'll leave some leftovers down in the locker room, like kitchen area for us if we want to snack on anything else but like before we get dressed. So mm-hmm. um, I'm not a big nap guy actually. Really? Yeah, I, always, I always feel like I get more tired. Yeah. And like I've experimented in juniors and I just found like not taking a nap, but just like chilling, like in my room with the lights off and like uh, watching a show or something is just 
it was better for me. So they do they do say like I saw this somewhere, uh, probably on Instagram, is like laying still and relaxing, even though you can't sleep, and even if you just shut your eyes and you're trying to like cool down, is better for the body and mind to not be like doing anything. Yeah. Rather than if you are restless and you trying to walk around and like burn energy and then trying to go to sleep, they do say it's a way to get the body rest and mind. So, yeah, I mean, I always feel like groggy and want to sleep, like can't get up. So, yeah, and, uh, and I heard like the 30 minute or 60 minute naps and it just hasn't worked for me. So, yeah, you got to try the uh, the pen trick, whereas if you fall asleep sitting up or you're in a desk chair or any sort of chair where you can kick back enough to get a nap in and you're holding a pen by the time that you fall asleep enough to re- like release the pen and the pen hits the ground you should wake cool. up okay and they say that's enough but yeah i also have a pretty the, elite chair so yeah like the navy seal one where you put your legs up like you're kind of flushing them out like upside yeah. down and you take like an eight minute nap it's supposed to be like better than i haven't tried it but maybe if i'm tired before a game game one day i'll try it but Roll the yoga mat out and get it going. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, Derek, I I want to ask, how did you end up at Shattuck coming from Boston? Because I know, like, Audi's prep school hockey is massive, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's pretty key. It's, a, it's um, that covers more, not in the Minnesota model, but you have that prep school, high school hockey that's more important, I think, than AAA, like, compared to any other state especially michigan or cali or anything like that you guys in minnesota kind of run in the same where you're trying to play prep school or high school hockey uh, did you did shattuck recruit you and you visited and said hey this is it or what took you out there and stole you away from out east yeah it's kind of a funny story so at the time i was in middle school at bc high mm-hmm. and i think i was going to come in as a freshman and be on the team and i think they had like two like a junior and a senior and the coach is pretty close with like the family of that senior. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to like sit out a year and not develop. Cause you know, it was like pretty much mm-hmm. some pretty important years. And I uh, also thought about going to Dexter at that time. Um, and they had a similar problem with the people in front of me and me wanting to play. And um, I was really didn't know what I was going to do. And then um, one of my good friends, Robert master Simone, he was at ASU last year uh just signed with the marlies and we were actually out in at the queue for my brother he was playing in that tournament and robert was with me and we ran into the ben umhafer he's the coach of the prep team or he's, he was the coach of the prep team he's probably like head of hockey there now okay but um he kind of ran into me and robert said hi and then introduced me he said like he's heard of me and wants to talk a little more about it and um, said they only had one goalie at the time. And it was like, I don't know, January, February at the time. So I would have had a, like it's getting close to getting enrolled in school. So I know how to convince my parents because that was the biggest thing, letting them let me go <laughs> so far. And I know my parents always say like they didn't talk to each other for weeks. <laughs> and I, I felt bad, but um yeah, we kind of stayed on it talking to him, and he said, you guys should come out. I think I went out to, like, literally the last week of classes that spring. Yeah. And, um, like, they already taken the, the ice out of the big sheets. And um, we played, like, three-on-three mini rink while the co- on the mini rink while the coaches wa- were watching. And it was, like, 
TJ Walsh, Oliver Wallstrom, like an insane U14 class I was playing with. And I, I played pretty, pretty cool. well. Yeah. And I was, and um, like they said, like, okay, we want you. Um, like, let's make it happen. And then my mom was still like against it. Like, he can't go that far. Like, he's only 13 at the time. And um, my dad was kind of, he was on both sides. And I think at the end of the day, they came around to it. Um, how important to be for like my hockey development and I think just growing up as a person like moving out there um so young and kind of I think you grow up a little faster but um I'm glad I did it I don't think I'd be where I am today without it um yeah but it was an awesome two years um really it was just eat sleep hockey there yeah yeah I mean Shattuck's obviously an elite program and has produced like incredible hockey players but Man, I can picture. Are you the oldest of all your your siblings? Yep. Yeah. Very so cool. Mama Bear was fucking like, no, Derek can't leave the house yet. Yeah, no, I was literally <laughs> like, like she's still driving me to the rink and stuff. She's like, I can't like send him out on a plane and not see him for like five months. So yeah, it's definitely yeah, it was tough. pretty tough. I think. Yeah, I we had to make a few compromises. Like, I had a call her every night, which you know I was happy to do, and. Of Made it made it work, and I think it, it was more of adjustment for her than for me. I think. But, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, made it happen, and that was it. What were some of the coolest parts? I mean, for those like everyone's heard of Shattuck, uh, but not everyone gets to be there. Not not even people get to see games there, right? But like when you get to walk in, especially with the new renos, like the renovations are pretty sick. Um, but getting to be at Shattuck, like even when I'm there, just to like meet up with goalies, it's a pretty special place to be, and a lot of people have come through those tunnels. What were some of your fondest memories being there? Yeah, honestly, at first I thought it was just really cool to be able to leave my gear at the rink. I remember, oh, like, this is I, this is it. This is the big time. Yeah, when I like got there, I was like, oh, we can leave our stuff here. Like, this is awesome. We have our own locker room. And um, I think when I was there first, like a few of the NHLers were skating there, and like I was like moving my bag in, and they were uh, skating on the ice, and I was like, oh my god, these players went here, and. I kind of realized like seeing the names on the wall and the national championships and all the banners. I was like, wow, like this is where I want to be. Yeah. But um, just like that young, you're never around your teammates as much mm-hmm. being able to live with them in the same room, the hall, the hallway down the way was pretty, pretty awesome to spend pretty much like 20 hours with the guys in class. I think that's what made, will make Shattuck so great is just the culture and the camaraderie between the boys and I guess the girls too. But um, yeah. 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 The, uh, I mean, when you put guys, it's like what you're dealing in college now too. Mm-hmm. And that's what you lose kind of like when you talk to guys that are playing pro, you kind of miss college hockey or junior hockey because like in junior you had billets, but everyone kind of, you show up at one place, right? Everybody yeah. hangs out together. Um, when you're in prep school, it's the same thing like at Shattuck you're all living together so everybody's in the dorms so you go skate you do a, like a morning skate session you go to your classes go to workout go to classes mm-hmm. eat and then everybody hangs out later and you're just hanging out shooting the shit playing video games or whatever yeah all day all... and uh when you're with everybody all the time like that is like you said a, a great way to build team chem but looking at your numbers man like you played a like going to Shattuck obviously was a great move if you were going to get stuck behind guys because you played a shit ton of games. Yeah, that was that years. was part of it. Yeah, 
that's what I that's what I wanted because I knew we were gonna have a good team and a lot of people were saying um like oh you're not gonna get all the shots you know you're gonna get 10 shots a game and you're gonna win games six nothing every time but like teams we play against Chicago mission was a powerhouse yep. against us a lot of those Midwest teams were like just as good as us yeah and um I think it was really good to be on like a top team and also play top teams. Mm-hmm. You learn how important those big games are yeah. uh, for the rankings. And I think like, we got off to a hot, hot start my first year. I think we went 38-0 um, the first few months. Like that year we won the national championship in Alaska, which was pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, we, uh, it was pretty funny in the championship game we played against the Boston Junior Eagles. Which I would have played for if I uh, went to Dexter. So, yeah, if you weren't such a scum and left the area, huh? Yeah, I felt bad for those guys because I grew up playing with all of them. So, <laughs> those are all your boys, right? Yeah. Um. No, that's pretty cool, man. And like, we're gonna take a real brief break to hear Connor talk about one of our sponsors. Looking for the fastest way to rehydrate? Look no further than Drip Drop. Breakthrough rehydration that keeps you going. Packed with key electrolytes, vitamins, and minerals to help you dig deeper, go longer, and do more of what you love. Try today and feel the difference. Learn more at dripdrop.com. Be sure to check out the link in the bio and go to Between Two Posts Instagram for 15% off. Stay hydrated. Now back to the show. Looking back at Shattuck, obviously you get over 60 games in because there's obviously some stuff that just doesn't get recorded. So like definitely worth the time and the spent, like the the trip out there and like you know, you're not, you're not home. So I know mom's missing you and your dad probably and your siblings too. But like in terms of development, getting better and getting exposure. The other thing too, though, it throws you into that next stage where you got to come back home afterwards. But when you leave and you go away and you have to take care of yourself and like when you're at Shattuck, you're not on your own, obviously, like, you know, your staff and your teachers, your coaches yeah. are all there to help make sure that everything's good. But when you go to junior hockey and if that's your first time, like leaving home, you talk about getting thrown into like the Noller USHL. It's call it seventeen, eighteen, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're dealing with possibly getting cut. Junior hockey's basically like a winning business now, right? It's not about hey, Derek, you've been shit for six games. You're zero and six, but like we're gonna we're gonna hang on to you. We're gonna figure this out. You go zero and six. You're probably never gonna see a game again. And unless yeah. some miraculous thing happens or somebody gets hurt, you're probably gonna get traded, not play. And like juniors are slowly becoming a pipe dream now for you even though you were right there on top of dealing with, I'm away from my family. I don't, you know, I have my teammates here, but like, you know, those first few months you're still adjusting and trying to figure things out, get to know guys, you're away from home, all those changes. So I think down the stretch, it's always a nice little perk, but, um, but no, man, that's, uh, that's really cool. I wanted to talk about you dealt with when you were walking in the school, the COVID year where you mm-hmm. were allowed, like, Hey, you don't have to be here. You can go back to junior. And then you went back to uh, Des Moines. Yep. And then coming back to Harvard, I want to know, do you get, like, is that first year kind of wiped off the books for you so you still get four? Yeah, still get four. Okay. Um, and I actually thought as much as it sucked at the time, I think in that second year of, like, USHL kind of came out as, like, a veteran, experienced goalie, kind of gave me more confidence that I could come into school with. Yeah. Um, it's actually a crazy like month because we were told that we were gonna 
Harvard was going to play and it was going to be like a condensed schedule. Um, you're only going to play the teams like within three hours of you. And we were, I think we were set to play Brown like five times or something crazy, but um, <laughs> we, um, so then they announced season's canceled, come out with a rule that we can return to juniors and take classes, which uh, I did. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. So I took all my classes online while I was playing junior hockey. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a challenge, but also would prepare me for college later. Um, and then I'm set to go. I was Cedar Rapids, like they had my rights because I was there the year before. And a tornado slash hurricane goes through Iowa and destroys their rink. So they had to forfeit that season. And then there was a dispersal draft. My roommate at the time, freshman year, um, was Alex LaFerriere, who was a box player, uh, Des Moines. And he, his coach called him was like, we need a goalie. Um, I know Cedar Rapids is going to play. Ask Derek if he wants to, if he'd come here. Yeah, I got a guy. <laughs> yeah, he was like, he was like my agent for a little bit. So I, we just had a call. And obviously, I would want to go and keep playing hockey at, at that point. I think some of the upperclassmen, uh, at Harvard who aged out, we're going to go down to Florida and scrimmage for three months or something. So I wanted to go back to uh, juniors and like keep developing. So that was a no brainer. And within two weeks I was driving cross country to Iowa and yeah, pretty big change pretty quick, but um, I think everything happens for a reason. That was uh, beneficial for me. Yeah, I mean, what a fucking run, or I guess chain of events, eh? Yeah, yeah. Um, to end up there completely unexpected. But I was gonna ask, you had uh, you had Mano there, eh? As your coach, yeah, I did. How was that? He's awesome. He's a awesome guy. Like I maybe call him like a player's coach a little bit, but he can Definitely. get uh, <laughs> he can get ramped up if he needs to. Um. And also having like that head coach goalie relationship was something I've never had before. Yeah, you could kind of like if we were kind of slow, like we had a tough weekend of like pretty busy. He'd give us like like a few less reps than we would normally have and be gassed the rest of the week, which yep. is nice. Cause he he knows how it is, um, obviously, and uh, that helped us a lot. You know, he's a good old Michigan boy, right? Yep. Yeah. From the he's great in, uh, state. Yeah, he's in Colorado right now. Fun story is he's uh he's a big time roller guy. Well, he was yeah. like growing up. He played a shit ton of roller hockey. <laughs> him and his brothers. I guess his brother's supposed to be like gross too. Yeah. I've never met him though. Um, but yeah, man, like what a fucking whirlwind. Like obviously a lot of things happened where people mm-hmm. didn't get to like you know know what to do, and obviously upperclassmen, you you're aged out, you can't go back, so. You get stuck in kind of a shit spot and get that shit sandwich. But going back yeah. to juniors for another year and getting to play in the USHL and take online classes and just wheel yeah. around for one more year, nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was awesome. I, uh, what I like to be at Harvard and playing, you know, ECAC and college games. Yeah. But, um, I mean, for what it could have been, it was a lot better. So, no, for sure. Um, so getting, Back to where you're at now, Harvard. What's your? Uh, I want to know what your major is, Derek. Uh, psych, psych, and a uh, little econ. So, 
little little bit of econ. You is that a minor? Yeah. Man, dude, you could have just e- majored in econ like I did, Michigan State. I never had to go to a class. I think Harvard's a little different, yeah. but like, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty easy tough. Peasy. Um, yeah, the psych thing's interesting. I can't wait for you to kind of be able to mentally break down your game and like really decompress before and after games. Yeah, no, I like some of the stuff we talked about in class is like totally relevant to goaltending, and um, just like they say, you know, goaltending is like ninety percent mental. Yeah, big time. Just like little tips and tricks that you can learn, like, you know, um, psychologists dealing with patients is like totally the same thing. So, yeah. Do you ever like try to uh, pick apart your friends and like, you know, mentally analyze them? Um, Most of them, most of my teammates, you kind of, you don't need all that skill to do. (laughs) It's it's not that uh, deep. No, yeah. It's not that deep. (laughs) Yeah, you hang around them at the dining hall for like a week. You, you get it pretty quick. You get it figured out. Yeah. Um, no, that's funny. I, I wanted to ask because obviously Harvard has a very high-end hockey program, men, men's and women's. But obviously when a lot of people look at Harvard, it's uh, it's not for athletics. It's usually for academics, right? Mm-hmm. Or like that's the running joke, uh, you know, with uh, Goodwill Hunting and everything. But Harvard's classically known as a, a school for a, academics when you guys are in games do you guys draw pretty good like you go to bean pot and stuff do you get a lot of students that are like pumped up for hockey um i feel like most recently it's been on the uprise like really you get the bean pot we'll have like a small little section in the top row yeah like last year we had like four or five so i think it's slowly growing um home games are tough when we play like brown or rpi or some yeah, of those probably schools. no one's really interested in a eh? yeah but when we, <laughs> when we play bc this year here so we'll be packed oh that'll get jammed we played northeastern like cornell it's always like that rivalry is always huge yale like we always sell out those games um yeah we sold out first clarkson and st lawrence last year and i got to play in both of those how so sick that, was that that was fun yeah that was my first college shutout one of them yeah. yeah you shut out and you picked up an apple against uh slew yeah yeah i did thanks Sean, oh, yeah. for that one. <laughs> i really just stopped it defenseman snapped to him he went through the whole team dangled the last defenseman on his knees backhand like bar down so yeah so you did a lot of work there <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> really pulling your weight yeah i mean winning at ecac probably helps and like with you guys kind of like 21 22 season you guys won and then obviously everything's just kind of getting better from there. And, you know, yeah. as when you win games, obviously things help. So, no, I was just curious how that works, especially ECAC. And you got a lot of kids that come to Harvard and probably don't realize that there's a fucking hockey team on campus. Yeah. yeah. For, for school and in playing school. Um, at Harvard, I mean, you guys are still in Boston. What's your average day off? Say you got no hockey, no class on a Saturday. What are you guys doing? Go downtown or you guys hang around campus or? Yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, there's so much right in Cambridge. But yeah. um, if it's nice out, you know, like we go to a lot of Sox games or just go downtown and walk around or like we've done a couple of trips on like boats and just fun stuff, like try to get the team together and do something. Yeah. Um, I would, I don't, we don't really have access to like cars or anything. So most of the stuff's like Uber away or quick scooter ride so 
a lot of golf. There's a couple of close golf courses guys get out to. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy. But um, I mean, there's rarely an off day with our course load. So yeah, it's it is Harvard. <laughs> um, yeah. what's the house affiliation? What does that mean? Is Honestly, it like Gryffindor or what? They try. I think they try to make it like Harry, <laughs> Harry Potter. Potter. <laughs> like you go into the freshman dining hall, they have like all the banners of like the house. This is kind of like Harry Potter, like the yeah. same. Uh, but um, yeah, I know it's so in normal, from what I understand, in normal colleges, they have, you just go from one dorm to another as you go through college. And here, freshman year, you go to the Harvard Yard, there's freshman housing. That's where you live. And then when you are a rising sophomore, you get selected into a house. And then that becomes your dorm for the, until you graduate. Do they put the hat on you and everything? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know how they do it, but for some reason, the past three years, all of the hockey players have been put in the furthest house from the rink. That makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah, it's a thirty-minute walk. So yeah, keep you guys yeah. in shape, I guess. Yeah, um, I don't know what I don't know what we did to get them mad at us, but we did we must have done something. You know? <laughs> what's uh what's one of your fa- favorite spots in uh either near school or down in Boston that you like to hang out or go visit like whether it's Fenway go catch a game go to the go to the TD Garden go see a game at the Garden <laughs> uh, um yeah we went to a couple of bees games uh, I like going like Fenway probably honestly yeah just walk around there's so much to do um but when it gets cold out like I think most guys just hang out in the room. We play chill for seven hours or something. But <laughs> it's fucking marinating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you uh, you get into the Celtics at all? Not when I was younger. I was big into it, but um, I, I think we I went to like one game. That was it last year. Big fan, big fan. Um, yeah, yeah I didn't realize like. I'm not a, I was never a basketball kid growing up. I was a hockey, like diehard hockey nerd, like to the point where like people are probably sick of me because of it, which that's yeah. fine. I completely respect it. But like now I'm watching a lot of the Magic Johnson stuff. I think there was that documentary, maybe it was on YouTube or something I watched where they talked about like Larry Bird coming up and Magic Johnson go green. Um, and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and that rivalry, how it like saved the NBA because like teams were defaulting, people weren't showing up. You know, that was back to like, it was hard to get people to show up to games. So like the NBA was kind of falling out. And I always, yeah. I wish I could learn more or have seen like Larry Bird play kind of like I wish I'd like to have seen like Gordy Howe play. But Larry mm-hmm. Bird, when you talk to athletes or Magic Johnson now, when you talk to people now and they talk about how good he was, they say he would fucking wipe the floor with like LeBron today because of yeah. his compete and how like intense he was. But like that guy put Boston on his fucking back. So mm-hmm. I feel like everyone says it was a different game back then. Yeah. Kind of like that NHL was back then. You could run the goalie and nothing happened, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they just got to wear it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, I wanted to talk real quick. Cause we don't like to nerd out too much on it because we could go forever, but you've been a fucking diehard Vaughn guy since like day one. That's all I've ever worn. Yeah. I just wanted to say thank you for your allegiance to the fucking being blue collar and being a part of the brand. But two, yeah. what's one of your favorite sets been so far? Favorite sets. I mean, when I was at Dexter, I had the pro V elites yeah. and I've always been like a softer pad kind of guy. Big and time. Kind of like broke right in for me. And I love them. Like I, 
got like two years out of a set, I think. And kind of, <laughs> I didn't want to put them down for my new ones, but um, I did like, um, yeah, probably those. The V6s, I just had all white, pretty clean. Like, but like, no, like I've never had a bad set, is something I would say. And yesterday, I just got my new blocker, put it, I was using it yesterday, and I was, I think I was like putting away rebounds further than I ever have. It's pretty cool to see. Like, but um, yeah, they like the extra, like the bigger, like side on the blocker there. Yeah, I have so. Hell yeah, home. man! I'm not a big uh terms guy when it comes to gear. Just what about graphic though? What was your favorite? Um, I like the Pro V Elites, but the one I've had the past two years, the the V fours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like. I'm big Jonathan Quick guy, so when he like would wear those, it was just just sick. What uh, what are your thoughts on? I mean, I want to ask about the Rangers, but before I forget, you were a Quickie guy before you were a Tuca guy, eh? Yeah, um, when I worked with Eklund, he thought I played a lot like Tuca. Yeah. So um, I started to watch him a lot more. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I was at when I was at Bruins camp. I wore Tuca's pants. It was pretty cool. Pretty sick. Yeah. Kind of sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the quickie thing. I mean, you're one of those guys. Like when, like we, like I said, like, this doesn't happen as much as before. I was there. Like Scotty and Adam would get calls all the time back when quickies went in cups. You get a call and like, oh, I play like Jonathan Quick. You know, like what are his specs? I need to know what he wears. Blah blah. blah. I play just like him, and you know, just as well as anybody. Like it's fucking hard to do that. Like to carry yeah. yourself and the way he wears his body, yeah, but you're one tough. of the names that come to mind. You like Ryan Edquist, Garrett McKay, and I think there's one more where like you guys have that look and feel to them that are like the closest thing to like looking like Quickie. Like Ryan Edquist holds his hand completely looking down, just like Quickie does, yeah. and he's got the bend in his back. It's the best. Yeah. Um. But no, man, I wanted to get into your one of your big hobbies. I don't know if anyone's ever followed you on Instagram before. Um, but uh, you're big. I think you like to fish. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I try to get out once or twice a year. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about it. Um, <laughs> hey, why don't we ever see? I mean, it seems like you get a lot of big catches and a lot of your days are good days. But why don't we get a post where you come back with nothing? Like people need to see, you know, the downfalls some days. Um, I don't know. I mean... This year, I only went a few. Like honestly, I only went like five times. That's, just there's no way, really. Yeah, just because I've been working out and skating so much. Good man. Kind of had to take a little pause from that, but I caught. I think I caught four tuna in my five trips. So holy shit! That's. I mean, it's tough to do that. I think I was just lucky. I don't know. You're just that's elite. Fun. Yeah, me and my me and my buddies were, were pretty dialed. <laughs> he does it every day, so. Oh really? Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, so when you guys go out, is it his boat? Yeah, his boat. Um, I have my own. I uh, take out from time to time, but yeah, um, he he's pretty precise of what he likes to do. So usually it's just me and him out there. And, that's know. impressive, though, for a guy that does that all the time to have the trust and like belief that you can come out there and go, you know, hang with him is is pretty impressive, eh? Oh yeah, we we talk all the time. Like just like he was out there yesterday, and we we're texting for like an hour. Like what happened? What you saw? Yeah. And, um, yeah. 
What that's do you guys do with those tunas you catch? Because they're they're like, like I don't think people realize how fucking big those things are. Like when you guys bring those on boat, they're bigger than you. Yeah, yeah, they're like the smallest one we can sell. Like so, we sell all the fish. Okay, so that's what it is. Commercially, yeah. So the smallest one we can keep is six feet, like around six feet seventy three inches is like the smallest you can keep to sell. But like most of the fish we're catching is they're like ninety five to hundred inches. Which is usually around like four hundred to six hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. So, um, some long days on the water. It's definitely definitely a workout, dude. That's nuts. Cause I, now that I'm re- talking about this, I remember we were I was watching a show before where like people like fishers bring in fishermen bring in boats and they bring in tuna. Do you guys have to go through that thing where like they cut them open and like check the meat inside? Oh yeah, that's all the same. Like the same guys that are on the show. Oh, so that's the real deal. Yeah, the same guys that are on the show, like, we're out there next to, we, like, talk and DM each other, like, what happened on the radio, we'll talk to them. But, um, yeah, the only thing that's different, like, on the show, the same buyer there is a guy that picks up our fish, but instead of us going to them, they kind of, they have, like, a white truck with, like, a freezer in the back that they come to our harbor, back it down, um, and they'll cut, like, the, they want to see, like, the it's like a steak. They want to see like the fat content in it because yeah. uh, fattier the fish, the more money, obviously, for like the sushi markets and stuff. So um, they'll kind of thing is you don't get a price when you sell the fish right there. Like the show kind of tries to make a story out of it. Yeah. Um, um, so they kind of give like a inflated price. We probably the average price we probably get is like seven to eight dollars a pound fish like on the show they say like 18 to 24 which is super unrealistic yeah um, but well they, they gotta take, ham it up right you gotta make it look yeah. fucking flashy yeah but that also caused a lot of problems in the fishing industry because everyone sees oh my god i can go catch a ten thousand dollar fish let me go buy a thirty thousand like a three hundred thousand dollar boat and all the stuff and let me go fish right next to these top guys so yeah. now there's like 700 people out there and yeah. the more fish being caught, the less money you get for your fish. So yeah, that's tough, tough industry. It's, I mean, really hard to make a living unless you're not chartering. So taking people on your boat and it's like guaranteed money when you're doing that. But if you're just trying to live off selling fish, it's really tough. Which I saw can be hard because there's that TikTok clip. I don't know if you saw this, but some guy was chartering and he just like some guy, some, the guy who, you know, reserved the boat and set up the charter had like his kid out there with him. And the guy who owned the boat just started fucking laying into this guy. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I heard <laughs> like, that. Was, that was fucking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so some days you, you're going to have tough days, I guess, like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, what's, I guess, another question I have is like, how many fish do you guys have to catch? Because, like, I mean, it's obviously different out there because you guys are out on the ocean. But, like, when you're out on the lake here, gas is like triple, quadruple the cost yeah. when you're in the water. What do you guys, how many fit, like how many, what do you have to bring in to offset the cost of gas operating the boat and everything like that? Yeah. So to catch a tuna, usually the spot we go to is like 22 miles Okay. from where we leave. Um, gas for us, I think it was like 480 a gallon. Usually we burn like, I don't know, probably 150 to $200 in fuel yeah. in one day. So if you catch a fish say it's like 
on average a fish you catch is probably like twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah. So that'll keep you going for a while. And like usually if you go every day you'll catch two two to three in a week, hopefully. So Man, that is like you can, it's, you it's can't tough. live off that. That's fucking no, tough. Yeah, you gotta catch a fish. Like if you go out there and you're not doing anything, like you're just wasting money. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. Um, being out on the ocean and doing that, have you ever had a scary trip? Like where things go south, you get caught in a storm or oh yeah. So we've had a few. Um I mean one wasn't too scary, but it was the worst weather. I, me and my buddies um we were leaving usually we leave at like 3 30 a.m to get out there so Wait, whoa hey what at 3 3 30 a.m yeah holy the fucking commitment <laughs> yeah so we were so the forecast was brutal and um like the way massachusetts is shaped any wind northeast above like five miles an hour is going to be they're going to the wind like the waves are going to stack up and it was blowing like 45, 50 miles an hour out of the Northeast. So like just right at us. And we knew like, all right, let's just go check, see if it's like doable. So we like come around the corner of our harbor. And we just see like stacks of waves and we see boat, like a couple boats turn around. We're like, all right, let's just go like a mile, see if we can make it. And we're going like five miles an hour, just like surfing these waves. And yeah. Usually, like, one person drives, one person sits, and one person in the back, and I didn't get the seat that time, so we were all full rain gear. My hat was turned over, and we were going, and every wave we hit, I get smacked by a wall of water. <laughs> every time I get smacked by a wall, but we got out there, luckily, in the first line out, we caught, like, a 300-pounder, and we got out of there, so we were there for, like, an hour, but if we were there all day, like, we probably would have flipped the boat or something. But, that's such a man going with the boy story like oh fuck let's go a mile and yeah. see if we can do anything everyone was turning around we were like all right one more mile i think we can make it if it gets bad we'll turn around they're like oh we made it all right let's do it again and then uh, but the uh the worst story out there um i got asked to go on a trip with a guy who's kind of like learning what he's doing um he just bought like a sick new boat um he just kind of want to go catch some sharks and maybe catch some tuna. And when you go shark fishing, it's like a pretty much a sure thing. You're going to catch something. So, okay. but you have to go way further usually. And, um, so we're probably like 45 miles away and we're fishing, caught a couple of sharks. It's awesome. We knew there's weather coming in the afternoon. So we're like, we got to get out of here by like one. So we're starting to pack up to leave and we go to start the engines and they're dead. <laughs> and something happened with his battery um and engines wouldn't start no jumper cables no usually i bring like a portable jumper it's like this yeah. big you just hook it up and you're good to go and have one on my boat didn't bring it i think mental mistake on my part but um no radios weren't working like radio wasn't working so we can't call anybody no cell service i was like on the top trying to send my gps locations to my dad because my dad's like been doing it since he was young like he's taught me everything so just trying to send us send him my gps coordinates because if he just got that text alone he'd know something was up yeah he would be like oh shit i gotta go (laughs) yeah so we were i was trying to text him like the coordinates of where we're going 
And we were drifting like three miles an hour, like east, which was further away. Like if no one got to us, the next piece of land we would have hit would be like Spain or like Portugal. So like we were flying away. And luckily one of the guys who also got invited to come had like a, he didn't know like for like an hour, he didn't know he had it. It was like a portable radio. Yeah. 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 Luckily we were able to call someone to come like a ski tobo came out and gave us that little pack. We started her up, but like the waves got so bad. Like you couldn't see the water 10 feet in front of you. Cause the boat was just like on its side going like that. And the whole time there's tunas jumping around. We couldn't chase after him and cast at him because we were dead in the water. So yeah. I was like <laughs> off the top trying to cast as far as I can. <laughs> It was just a disaster, but luckily we got in. <laughs> well, because you got to be running to catch a tuna, right? Because you got to kind of work the boat yeah, with yeah. as like you're trying to tire him out and pull him in. Yeah, usually when it's me and my friend, he's driving and I'm fishing like on the rod because um, the fish they'll if you don't chase after them they'll take all the line off the reel. Yeah, so you, you kind of in gear pretty much the whole time, and they'll charge the boat, go under the boat, do loops around, try to cut themselves off. They're they're crazy. A lot smarter than you just think. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, dude. No, that's fucking because like, I mean, I've never been out. My dad always has stories like where he the boat. I can't remember the last time it like caught on fire and they got stuck. And this is in the lake. This is Lake St. Clair. And they were stuck between like Canadian U.S. waters. Yeah. But, so they were never really in trouble except the fact that the boat was burning out the back and they're like, hey, we got to get off. But then the U.S. and Canada had to decide who's going to take these people because they're right on the border oh, yeah. and uh, they've gotten stuck. But man, like being in the ocean, that's what like I love being in the water, jet skis, boats, everything. But man, you get you get caught in the fucking ocean and, and the waves keep taking you out to the ocean. There's yeah. like you said, that next piece of land you're going to hit is hey dad. I'm in Spain. Can you come get us or send yeah. me a flight? <laughs> my, my dad, I think from like when I was like five and starting to like fall in love with it, he was like. Uh, you gotta respect the water, or it'll kill you. Yeah, like there's been like like famous captains and world-renowned captains who've like sunk boats and flipped and done all sorts of stuff just because they uh, went against their better judgment or try to do things when you gotta listen to the weather sometimes. And I've I've definitely pushed it a few times. It sounds <laughs> it sounds like it, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> respect the waters um yeah. you ever get tossed in before no i've gotten close um a couple times um i mean i've jumped in uh my brother i took my brother out and caught his first tuna and he said he'd jump in with it yeah <laughs> and he jumped in i have a picture of him swimming with it next to the boat that's awesome but, um, yeah nothing i've I've come close. Like I went to gaff the fish and sometimes when you gaff, gaff them like a 600 pound animal, they'll like wake up and get a second wing. Like yeah, take off. Fucking... <laughs> well, I gaffed it and it was like, screw this and just took off. So I just let go of it. I'm like, I'm not going in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we got it back though. Came back up like 20 minutes later with a gaff hanging out of it. So yeah, it'll take you for a fucking <laughs> ride. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man, I guess if, if, you know, like you got a couple more years of hockey with Harvard and then, you know, you go pro after that. But uh, it sounds like when you wrap up, you and Shep will be a lot in the like. You guys just open up a charter company and you start fishing. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I want to play hockey as long as I can. Like, fishing's yeah. going to be there. Yeah. It's always been something I want to do. Like, but hockey's always come first for me. So, hell yeah. Play it as long as I can. Uh, the fish will always be swimming around out there. And, yeah. and there's only so many people that'll go out and uh, take on, you know, those big fucking swells. Yeah. Yeah. Some <laughs> like days, you guys. Some days, those are the best days because the fish like to feed in that kind of weather and there's less boat yeah. pressure. So um, sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it stinks and out there and for 12 hours getting beat up. Yeah, it's definitely not easy. So, yeah. well, cool, man. That's all I got. You got any questions for me? No, no, this is awesome. Well, thanks awesome. for hopping on, Derek. Um, best of luck this season. You need anything, you let us know. Yeah. Uh, but we're happy. We're excited to see big things for you guys in Harvard this year. So, good luck, buddy, and have fun with it. All right. Go for a run. Thank you. Yeah, we'll try my best. <laughs> all right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man.